At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello and welcome to the Juan Juan Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Welcome to the One on One Podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. up brother we're back we're here recording I'm... in progress we're, recording? <laughs> we're here recording um no we're not. i thought you were recording because you asked for permission oh, did a... i jump the gun i'm i'm recording oh god all right i'm recording cool well here we are on a my family thinks i'm crazy one-on-one swap cast i thought this would be uh, a good way to promote our our Patreon show that we do together each on each other's respective Patreons. So take your pick. You can support one of us or you can support both of us. Either way, you listen to this show that we do. And uh, we definitely have been focused on alchemy. It hasn't, it hasn't been consistent. 
Yeah. But that's our main through line. And uh, you're more familiar with this book than I, but I found it at the used bookstore last week and it was synchronistic because on the first two pages, uh, when the author is talking about his beloved father, he mentions that his father had a copy of Flammarion, Camille Flammarion's book really? called World Before the Creation of Man. And I'm like, what the heck? Because we were just talking about Camille Flammarion in one of our uh, Falconelli episodes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, here it is coming up again. Of course, it's in French. So, <laughs> you know, not easy to find. But I typed in the name of the the title of the book in French. And what's weird is that a PDF comes up, but it's a PDF in English called the magic lamp or something like that. So it's a completely different book. It's not the mm. creation of the world or the world of the world before the creation of man, which sounds like a crazy title. Um, apparently has something to do with uh, genealogy Darwin, Darwinism and uh, paleontology. It, that's at least what written Google by Flammarion. Yeah, that's how Google Books classifies it. it, it and the, when you look up the title in under images, you get a image of the title page, which is a dinosaur. Like it features like an 18th or a 19th century kind of dinosaur drawing you know what they thought of when they first discovered dinosaurs kind of like scaly bears almost like so i did a um an episode with with a very controversial figure the other day there it is la, la monde avant la creation de la, la monde avant la creation <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. So I have a lot of French listeners, so shout out to them. The I did an episode with Kent Hovind, which is a very controversial figure. And he's all about dinosaurs in the Bible and 6,000 years. So he's a, he's a, a creationist from the Genesis point of view and... Yeah, he, he point he says that yeah, dinosaurs were real because I know that's so. I'm on the fence. Is he a literal creationist? Is in the, he liter he takes the Bible for hundred percent. Okay. And here's the thing, because let's say that there is an agenda to push everyone away from Christianity or, or God or whatever, destroying dinosaurs because people go, oh, the word dinosaur wasn't in existence until eighteen da da da. Yeah, the word dinosaur, but what they call them back then, worms. Wyrims, you know, dragons, serpents. Like it could have had a whole different other name. Just because the word didn't exist doesn't mean that the thing didn't exist. Like the dinosaur didn't exist. And I find that kind of hard to believe that all of these fossils can't be faked. I mean, I know. Okay, let me reword that before people go crazy. What do you mean? What do you mean? I know they can be faked. I've been to museums. I know that it's a replica of what they think it is. Okay, but. I believe that there was stuff. I don't think that the world was six, is 6,000 years old. I think it's maybe older than that. I don't know if I'd subscribe to the millions and millions of years that they talk about, but I would say that it's somewhere a lot of years. <laughs> I can't I can't say exactly how many years, but it, it's interesting that you brought up the whole dinosaur thing and 
here it is right here in the preface right at the beginning what does it say here in right, spite of page. of my manual dexterity i did once manage to bind a book i was 16 oh he's he's talking about how his father is a is a tailor and he had like a uh bureau or a cabinet with all his tailor stuff in it plus a ton of notes and books and uh he finds that he owns the copy of flammarion's the world before the creation of man and then another book by walter rathenau called where is the world going so uh, these books must have made a, an impact on the young author who was grappling with the fact that his father was a skilled craftsman and he was just a uh worthless poet right like this was his inner struggle <laughs> as an author uh he wanted to have the respect of somebody who worked with their hands as a craft and to him uh you know writing was his craft so mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. Uh, this is the preface and not not necessarily related to the book more of more of like how the author got inspired to write the topic i guess but yeah uh, and for those that don't know, they're 100% familiar. I'm going to share a picture here of Flammarion, the Flammarion engraving, and people will automatically know what we're talking about because, again, it's one of the more shared dip- pictures, I guess, plates. And when it comes to the truther community, is this one right here, Flammarion's engraving. And we did a whole episode on perhaps Camille Flammarion could have been Falconelli in some sort of weird way. They write that in the other book, Falconelli's Identity Revealed. I did order the French book. I haven't gotten it. It's coming directly from France. And once I get it, I'll probably translate the the table of content or do something. Maybe I might translate the whole thing. And I don't know. From what I've heard, sometimes translations of certain books in other languages show up on the Patreon for the patrons on the one on Patreon. So I don't know. That's just a rumor I heard, but might be well, floating around there. Even if you don't believe Flammarion is Falconelli, you can't argue that he created the most popular coloring book image in history, in human history. <laughs> Cause I've seen that exact engraving colored a million different ways. Cause it wasn't colored. It was black and white. Right. So now people colorize it and it always looks different, but, uh, it's interesting that you brought up the the Kent gentleman. I forget his last name. Um, Hovind. Hovind. So he he's a literal creationist. What would he think of this book here by Susan B. Martinez, who talks about how uh, there were many different races of being before the Great Flood and that the Adam and Eve of the uh, Garden of Eden were more like a pair of one of the many uh like human species that they were like all right let's let's pick this one and the rest what? of them died in the flood really That's what she's saying and and obviously dying in the flood is kind of uh i don't know if that's a completely like a solid uh definitive event where everyone surely died i think the flood probably changed the the population levels for sure, but there are isolated pockets of everything from pygmies to giants throughout known history, right? I mean, not so much giants anymore, but pygmies for sure are still in existence to this day. So just there is living evidence of, you know, different variations of Homo sapien and 
Although some people will say, oh, no, this is, uh, you know, racist or whatever to say that the pygmy is not a human. They're not saying pygmies aren't humans. They're saying that pygmies evolved into a different delineation of human, of homo sapien, uh, away from the rest of us. Well, and, and in a sense, they're more advanced than us because they've adapted to their jungle environment. Whereas, Even more racist. You're whereas just getting canceled left and right on yourself this episode, and yeah. I, Yourself and I going into a jungle would be toast uh, after a couple months, if not years. Had we would have no luck of procreating and ha- surviving and and like you know what I mean? Like I think the the it's yeah it's a t- it's a touchy subject for sure. But it's not just in Africa. It's you know Southeast Asia, South America, really anywhere that there's rainforest, there are uh, isolated pockets of pygmies. And in the past too, before you know the expansion of. Uh, colonialism and and the subsequent corporatism and all the awful corporate polluters and jungle deforesters obviously that's took a bite out of uh what once was but what if it's the environment that determines the the uh biomorphology right stress theory isn't it where like depending on what stresses affect the organism it shapes them to the I got kids in the background. I got my homunculi running loose, but the depending on the the triggers, right? It's it's what causes changes. So if an if right the giraffe the food was too high, so it needed to adapt to to be able to reach the top leaves, or else it was gonna die off. But here's the thing about Darwinism, dude. A lot of these guys were controlled opposition, man. They were part of like these organizations that maybe, in my opinion, had some sort of agenda to push. And it's interesting that, right, you have Huxley in there. It's always Huxley. It always goes back to Huxley for some reason. And here's the thing, dude, because this is an argument that a lot of people use for evolution. Like, oh, it's made to make you feel like nothing, worthless. You're just you. You came from a what do they call it? The the primordial ooze, like all this sort of stuff. Or like even with flat Earth, a lot of people say about flat Earth, like, well, if you knew that it was actually flat, right, and that it's not just a space rock in the middle of nowhere, and it's not going to make you feel worthless. And like to me, it makes no difference if I know that it. it if there's any more of an onto, is it ontological shock? Is that the way you're supposed to say it? Uh, so let's look this up on. Well, I think we just have so many attachments around the uh, the concept of God that you know when you start to stray away from the typical archetypes that we associate with God, then yeah, it feels like that. But what if the Creator, that is the all consciousness. What if he designed us to morph out of ooze over millions of years? Like, I don't, I'm not arguing against creationism here. I'm saying it could be, uh, and instead of and or, I don't know what the phrase is, you know, it could be both instead of one or the other, right? Yeah. So, so I, I, that's kind of where my mind goes with like, at least as it pertains to. Did you have that lady on? Did Did you have her on yet? No, I, I'd like to. She lives in Georgia, so she's uh, yeah, she's on the East Coast. It'd be a good podcast, but uh, but no, um, I just wonder, like, why can't it be that God created a ton of different 
types of homo sapiens well some some alternatives right like why some not? cosmologies say that bro like the yanunaki cosmology at first it was like this thing but then that i guess that didn't work out and then they made the homo sapien well, even you know genesis says that and it kind of implies it with the flood right like god mm -hmm. created these other things before humans that were jealous of humans and and they had to be eliminated right so now we're finding all this evidence in the form of skeletons and whatnot uh some of it's been suppressed by the smithsonian institute but yeah like what if these <laughs> giants and these pygmies were like damn like these people are they're perfect they they have all the right proportions that that look how efficient they are at six feet high like us 12 feet high humans we got to spend twice as much money on house house material we got to spend twice as much money on food you know and then the pygmy people they're like we get beat up bushed around we can't do anything we got to hide in caves we got to hide in the forest like you six foot people are great because you could you know at least defend yourself enough to you know, be be able to move around in the world. And then giants are like, geez, you guys are so quick. You know, we fight and then we get tired, you know. So like maybe this version of, you know, the biomorphology just won out over the others. And that's what they were trying to convey. It wasn't like everyone else was evil and we were the only righteous ones. It's just like God's plan shaped it in this way to where, you know, many evolve into one right and then maybe that's what the whole like coming back to god is like when you when you've evolved to the point where you're you're a god and then you create your own universe right like the Whoa. whole universe evolves into one equivalent of what it what created it and then like we see on a microscopic level with cells it literally just poof, Bloop, and they become two separate universes, you know, like like cell division. I mean, what if it's like that on a huge, huge level and we're just like the little red blood cells and white blood cells here on the earth, like battling it out, playing our roles. And, and but we're in this much huger, huger scope of things, you know, that is the universe. What's what's the movie where we're in the marble? Was that men in black where the, where the marble like it zooms out at the end and we're in the marble of like some game somebody's playing marble. <laughs> I, don't, I think i've seen oh, that before because i picture it but yeah the mib marble galaxy so let me see if i can play this hold on yeah so let me play this real quick so you can see what i'm talking about so in in men in black it, it shows like right the the world and then it starts to zoom out and it zooms all the way out and it's actually a marble that some aliens are playing a game with so look at these alien entities playing a game with them right. <laughs> and we're in here so right. it's like who knows and i've always well, thought they see these bigger ideas so mm -hmm. and i've seen men in black so who knows maybe i saw that exactly. imagery and then that seed got implanted in my mind and now i'm a talking point for the elite right like there you go. you've been <laughs> so, illuminati confirmed here illuminati confirmed there you go well, and that's that's why i get like a little bit weirded out by guys who are like no it's for sure what the bible says it is because like if it's that easy for them to create a compelling narrative and just put it at the end of a movie, you know, that's a neat metaphor. It sticks in someone's head and they kind of live their life 
with it in their inner mental scaffolding, you know, scaffolding. Um, how, like, how is that any different from the ideas in, in the Bible? I mean, obviously I'm not comparing men in black, the movie to the Bible, but as media is concerned, like a message that sticks with you, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like to be attached to something that, that happened that long ago is interesting. Uh, I'm much more interested in the people who are like, Oh no, but this is what the Bible is actually telling us. Like I like the decoder people. I don't necessarily buy into it all, but I, I tend to think that the Bible is more of that where they, they're really wise people left a bunch of messages that were kind of like multi-layered. So the common man reads it and gets like the basics, like don't hurt anybody, be a good person, that kind of thing. And then like the guy above step above that gets a different, maybe more complex message. And then, you know, the holy man or the enlightened one reads the Bible and it's like, it's this language of the birds kind of thing where, I mean, you couldn't even utter it to a layman because your, your consciousness has advanced to the point where those kind of coded things are just, you know, translated immediately. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about the Bible. I, there, that's why there's seven different ways of interpreting the Bible historically being one of them, allegorically being another one metaphysically being another one i guess you can put that in there also alchemically there's a reason why alchemists also broke it down there's various ways bro that and i think that we have a watered down version of the bible and a watered a watered down version of the doctrines that were supposed to be presented in the bible and the reason for that being i i, I finished reading the divine invasion by philip k dick uh, a couple weeks ago and in there, they they have this holographic Bible. And the holographic Bible, they're able to project the Bible outwards and they're able to manipulate the Bible and move it around and stack it on top of each other to reveal hidden layers of the story. And you're kind of able to enter the story in some sort of way. And they ban it because they can't have people accessing this this version of the bible because then they're able to extract the hidden meanings within because think about it if you project like in the, in the typical movies like a projection you start manipulating and moving it around you start to overlay the stories on one on top of another you're like wait a minute i'm seeing something completely new on this side where you can't get it because not only are like the pages limiting you from doing that but also language sometimes is a limiting factor too it's like william burroughs talked about language being a sort of virus where it limits you from being able to express yourself. And sometimes we find the word, we, we struggle to find the word sometimes to explain things and even experiences, right? Like any sort of experience. And I think that's the a, a very big limiting factor when it comes to a lot of phenomenological experiences where phenomenology is you're experiencing it. So if Mark got abducted and the space aliens probed his ass or something, guess what? That was real to Mark. You know, Mark was the one that got probed. You know, we can't take that. No one can take that away from you unless you've experienced that as well. Same thing goes with psychedelics. Same things will go with certain things in life and in reality that the only way to describe it is if you experience it. Like I can't describe to you what it feels like to love your child unconditionally. 
unless you have a child which you love unconditionally that's the only way you're able to describe that feeling you know what i'm saying so like words are a limiting factor and i think that plays a role into do i think the bible has the answers to everything no and i think it's like that i used this metaphor yesterday or this allegory whatever you want to call it yesterday i said everyone's in a dark room touching an elephant you know you're touching the trunk this other guy's touching the tail this other guy's touching the foot this other guy's touching the belly, whatever it is. Some other dude's touching its balls. You know what I'm saying? And like, this is it. And it's a dark room. This is the, yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is, the, you know, it feels squishy or it feels rough or it feels hairy or whatever it is. Like, no, no, no. You guys are all touching the same thing. But just because you're touching, it doesn't describing the bigger picture, which is the, it's an elephant, you know? And I think that's all cosmologies. When you really zoom out, you go, okay, we're all touching on the same thing. We're just describing it differently. But then you get the elitism or the nationalism of the, oh, my guy's the guy. My part, the balls of the elephant are the part that that matter. You know, this because because it, I'm t- it's like, no, no, no. Just because you're experiencing it that way doesn't mean it's the whole picture. Right. And I think people need to slow down sometimes and really zoom out and maybe have a little bit more of an open mind when it comes to these other things. And that's why I like learning about all of them, bro all cosmologies no matter what because you can always extract something from each and every single one of them and that that can benefit you in a way but again i i believe that jesus did die for our sins and again i'm a christian i was born into it i do believe it and will we ever truly truly know i don't know dude i don't know but if anything i just wonder if I just wonder if it's not like, and please, Christians in the audience, do not be offended by what I'm about to say, because I could see how what I'm about to say might get taken the wrong way. But in terms of humanity as a global collective consciousness, I just wonder if Christianity and Judaism and contemporary religions uh, that are monotheistic, because there was a time in human history where everybody was like, all right, monotheism is the way like it, it it was, you know, kind of a historical event, right, that you can track across multiple different cultures. It happened in the East. It happened in the West. But I, I wonder if that doesn't show us like that religions are meant to be understood in stages the same way that you wouldn't want your child to have training wheels on his bike the his whole childhood. Those are only for the first few days he's learning to ride a bike or maybe months or whatever, right? When he, when they're too young to to balance themselves. But once they're once they're off and going, you don't keep the training wheels on. And again, I'm not saying Christianity though, training bro. wheels or anything <laughs> like that, but um I just wonder if if we shouldn't be attached to these ideas and concepts um, outside of their time contextual framework. Things like morals don't don't conform to time and context. Morals are morals, right? The way you treat people is, you know, something that I think. Even a million years from now, if there are physical beings interacting with each other, you think aliens have morals, bro? Well, I think there's. You think they yeah, have manners? Like, oh, sorry. Well, you can call it morals. You can call it laws. You can call it, you know, uh, a code of of honor. I mean, different cultures have different ways of of 
relating to each other socially. But yeah, no matter no matter what culture it is, Christianity or not, there's usually a moral hierarchy that is it's not really affected by time. Like you don't evolve out of those kind yeah. of concepts, right? No, I, that, I get what you're saying. But what a better way to, to shatter that. And I'm going to send you this Terrence McKenna lecture or talk that I was listening to today where he's talking about the UFO and the extraterrestrial phenomenon and how it the extraterrestrial, they might be using it to take people away from that Christ point of view, worldview, because if you think about when the church started to influence reality and history and government and all that. It's been a long time and that they're going to use the alien, the extraterrestrial to shock people out of that way of thinking. And I mean, what, what a better way, bro. If you wanted to disprove everyone's, they can disprove God. Let's say, okay, well, people are going to say that God also did God create aliens. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what people are going well, well, God created them too. You know? But what a better way than, the, than for the government to come out and be like, listen, these are the ETs or whatever it is. If they are real blood and bones, who knows? But this is them and they actually created us. Like the movie Prometheus. You know, we're talking about movies and planting thoughts and ideas. And they're planting memes, which is the smallest form of an idea, essentially. And memetics is the spread of information. So that's that they, they are seeding us with these with this memetics, right? They're just seeding us with all these movies and all these ideas. And Prometheus, bro, there's no God in that movie. The God is the engineers. They're the ones that made us and then planted us and seeded us in the right. He turns into the black goo and then goes in the water and it starts to develop and and spread out and all that stuff. That would shock people out of a lot of things i mean some people wouldn't believe it well if you look at sci-fi i mean there's tons of sci-fi that has like uh you know all sorts of interesting parallels to the real world but i like to you know i don't disbelieve aliens i think there's tons of evidence for the aliens. no i i mean i think the government (laughs) is lying to us about them so like the government's version of aliens is fake and gay, but I believe in the Pleiadians. I believe in the people from Sirius. Like I believe that humans could have come from other planets and seeded this planet. Well, you don't believe ago. in Jesus Christ, bro. Well, that could be a part of the <laughs> Christian paradigm. Like I like these aliens could be Christian warriors going from planet to planet, fighting the Satan, setting yeah. up garden gardens of Eden. Like, what if they, you know, they just they had a garden of Eden in the Pleiades, and they come over to whatever they call this solar system, and they set up a garden of Eden here. Mm-hmm. They do some planetary physics and make it so the Earth's just the right distance from the sun, and the it has a moon that goes around it to keep things in balance or whatever. Like. I mean, when you look at those kind of mathematics, obviously I'm not doing the measurements, so who knows? They could have just made it all up. But it does seem like uh, the Earth is in an anomalously good relationship with the sun So, and, and all these other planets. So it's like clearly this isn't just random, you know? Like mm-hmm. don't you think that 
you know, all of this wouldn't have lined up. And the scientists, they kind of say the same thing, but in an opposite way where they're like, oh, no, because it's all so perfect, life sprouted here. It was the Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold, right in the middle. And it's like, really, is that is it that is that so there's so there's a hot solar system somewhere where nothing, you know, and then there's a cold one out there. I tend to think that it's more like things are kind of in a proto stasis Mm -hmm. and as intelligence or consciousness spreads out from a central point in the universe, more and more parts of the universe become living and connected to the rest of it. And we're as earthlings (laughs) on like one of these outer fringes that's only just gotten interacted with within the past million or so years and it takes billions of years for it to completely spread. So like our lifetime as humans is like the lifetime of one of your hair follicles on your head. And that's not to say that your hair follicles are insignificant and therefore you're insignificant. No, because your hair follicles are you. They make you you just like you make the universe you what the universe is like there is no other Juan Ayala in the universe you are a special unique component of it and so is everybody listening and even the assholes who don't listen to our podcasts are they're a part of it too right they're so, not assholes bro they're just <laughs> well that's that's true because a lot of my family doesn't listen to my podcast so so yeah they're not assholes but okay I'll take that back but you get my kind of point. And mm-hmm. it, it does go into that whole psychedelic hippy dippy kind of realm. So I could see where people have a hard time getting behind that. Cause like, I don't believe the scientists who talk like this. Cause I think they have a different purpose for sharing this information. I think this is more like what the, the spiritual wisdom has been kind of pointing to even in the Bible. I mean, you know, I think the Bible agrees with, a lot more than people who follow the Bible give credit. Like a lot of people who follow the Bible try to live in this kind of like isolation zone where Bible only, and I much prefer to see where it connects and coalesces with other things. Cause in my mind, that's how you prove something to be true is when you see it, it's logic repeating in multiple circumstances. If something mm. works, it'll, it doesn't just work within one you know, vacuum of a circumstance and it should be repeatable. Yeah. So maybe that's too sciencey for some people, but I, I think I'm, I'm, I only came to that conclusion from a very spiritual place, if you could believe it or not. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'd have a good conversation with this uh, creationist guy, but it kind of connects to what the morning of the magicians sort of thesis is that, um, It says, this book remains a sophisticated philosophical exploration of the repressed phenomena and hidden histories that ask its readers to look at reality with ever-awakened eyes. Um, And it also says, their study of secret societies, starting with the Rosicrucians, suggests that such changes are actively being pursued in the present day by a conspiracy of the most spiritually and intellectually advanced members of the human race. And that's kind of, I mean, 
that's where a lot of this stuff I hit like a, a fork in the road where I'm like, wait, so is all of this like alt meta spiritual metaphysical kind of stuff? Like, is that like the religion of the elite because they're using it against us? And like, that's why they've keep kept it all secret from us. Or is that like, is it truly evil? And, you know, we're being tested by not, you know, indulging in all that, right? Like I still kind of hit that fork in the road when it comes to magic and secret societies. Cause you know, from everything we've researched, research, it seems like there's a, a pretty valid path to do like all this ritual and occult stuff. Like it exists. It's not just fantasy, but Some people don't you know, believe in it. And that's the crazy part that I, I believe. I mean, there's people who dress up and go to lodges every week to me with their little mason friends and all that stuff so it's like there's a certain group of people who believe it but it, that's the problem even with civilization or humanity where you're broken up into different sects of ideas of mm. cosmologies of religions i mean all that stuff and i think it's that divide and conquer where you get stuck in in a certain line of thinking and you're barricading yourself within that echo chamber how you're saying and it's like that I, I I was I broke out of that, you know what I'm saying, and that that's how I'm here because I did I was able to break out of that. And I was able to read things that my grandma would probably disown me for reading. <laughs> I've I've went down rabbit holes that you know were forbidden that I I at any point I would not even think about doing, and it came with its its feelings. And I mean I have people who write to me all the time. <clears throat> Excuse me who will tell me like hey i was pentecostal too bro and it feels dirty like thinking about these things you know because it's bro we were taught it was blasphemy like you're gonna be possessed and all that stuff and it's it's fear based it's trauma based and i was able to overcome that and, and that's how i'm here now and i am a skeptic and i am if anything dude like i tell people i'm not trying to take away from anything i'm trying to prove it how you're saying we want repeatable results so if you're sure in your faith, if you're sure that this is the way, then what does it matter what anybody else says? If you're sure, if you are sure in it, and that's all that matters, you know? Well, and, and I almost like, I hear that and I'm like, yeah, of course people can be possessed, but I don't necessarily think that that means that studying any one subject could leave you. Of course, if your, your mentality isn't, solid but that i think that's the point of these practices it's like you don't go and studying this kind of stuff until you've kind of uh strengthened your mental capabilities yeah. to kind of wear an idea and then take it off right like that's an i that's a concept that you need to be you need to be able to kind of put the hat on take the hat off and put it away. Like you can't just adopt every single thing you read, obviously, but it, it gets into this tricky realm when it comes to things that are like, I mean, possession and, and I'm almost done know. with season two of Twin Peaks. And it was funny, Isaac, he asked me if, if by us talking about these things, if we are carrying the agenda yeah. forward, you know how you're saying like, if this is, the elite lizard interdimensional egghead people's religion and here we are talking about it are we are we doing 
the devil's work, if you will, by carrying this forward. And, and here, I don't see it that way because I see it, it the more you know, the better it is because I'd rather know my enemy than be completely oblivious to it. You know what I'm well, saying? And, and also, I think there's like a power that you give to anything when you're afraid of it. So by being strong enough to say, I can learn this without it affecting me, or I can learn this to strengthen my mental, spiritual, and physical framework. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect. I get paranoid. Sometimes I get, I think like, Oh God, did, did that connect to this? And because this happened now this happened and Oh God, what did I do wrong? Like, geez, man, it really bothers me. And, uh, yeah, I, I try to, I try to kind of keep myself centered and, and pray and meditate for those reasons because I, I, it's not that I don't believe in uh, religious concepts. I just don't believe in the religious organizations that espouse yeah. those concepts, right? So like possession could be a thing without necessarily subscribing to that Pentecostal mm-hmm. idea of possession, right? I mean, maybe that just proves that it's real because there's multiple <laughs> you, you see it everywhere people have different ways of dealing with it to me that just means that people have a real uh issue with this otherwise why would they be coming up with solutions for it well it's interesting you brought up i think her name is diana Posolka, and she went on rogan recently and we had talked about her, remember Agobard of Lion was the guy's name, the one with the with the homunculus that crash landed and they presented it to him. They're like, What do we do with them? Do we burn them at the stake? Did she talk about that with Joe Rogan? I didn't she didn't it. talk about that, but she used the one that translated all these works that the church has translated and she was finding like, wait a minute, the church was leaving stuff out. Like there were UFO encounters and all that stuff. And she says that what's going on right now with the UFO, and I think I've seen this too on Twitter, or like Instagram or something. You know, you got the crowd that doesn't believe in this and they think that it's all a psyop and aliens are faking gay and all this stuff, right? And she says that right now what's happening is that there is a new religion emerging. And the reasoning for that is because, you know, Jesus went around doing his miracles and doing his things. And one interesting aspect of, because I just reread the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Matthew, the interesting part of, I think it was Mark, anyways, one of the, one of the Gospels, two of, two of the four Gospels or however many there are, I, I reread. And in that, whenever he does a miracle, he's always like, go forth, but don't tell anybody about this, bro. Keep this under wraps. People are going to see that you're healed, but... Just keep it between you and I, all right? Because mind you, even back then, they couldn't even handle the 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 concept of this dude healing people and 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 doing miracles. Is like, wait, how are you able to do this? And then that's the controversy. It was like, well, I I am right the 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 son of man type of thing, you know, like a God. I am the son of God, and like, okay, whatever. You're the king of the Jews. All this all this stuff, but that interaction with people and Jesus, where they were healed by him. When people are having these experiences with these abductions, these UFOs, 
where they're being healed or they're being something's being done to them, you could see where they, where people would start to believe like, wait a minute, this is God. And it goes back to that Terrence McKenna thing where the UFO itself is he was talking about it being a sort of projection of the soul or something weird. I have to re-listen to it again, but he was talking about it's like a projection of the soul. And that at the end of the day, like at the end of all the rabbit hole, like we're going to figure out that the extraterrestrials are us type of thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you, bro. It's Chance McKenna. He was talking about the abyss, different abysses. And it's really interesting because I love Terrence McKenna, even if he was a governmental asset, but he bring forth, he brings forth a lot of interesting concepts. And she believes that right now there is a new UFO religion emerging Mind you, UFO religions are, I'd consider Thelema a, a UFO religion. I mean, it, it was dictated by an extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial source. I mean, the Book of the Law was channeled to to Crowley and the Cairo workings. I mean, that that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. You have Scientology, some people say, is a UFO religion, where it was, again, uh, given... I mean, I mean, I don't know what was going on in L. Ron Hubbard's head, but there's the whole rumors of Xenu and how it's like this volcano that erupted at one point. They're all light beings or something like some crazy stuff. People will deny it. I think the, the Scientologists just deny that they believe in that. But that's a weird one. What else is a UFO religion? There's a few, but she believes that there is a UFO religion evolving. So uh, emerging. So imagine that, bro. If the, if the people in the government right now pushing for this disclosure start to come out and be like, you know what, we're actually going to worship these things. That's CE, isn't that the, the whole thing, Stephen Greer? I was actually with Tony and, and Joel this past weekend, and we were talking about that, that they, for a document, I'm not going to give too much out, but for a document that they're shooting, they had some experiences where this dude was perhaps maybe manifesting these things and bringing them. And they had an experience with these UFOs, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to, how to, how to, how to explain it, but well, through the use of what you were saying earlier, prayer meditation. Well, some people, she also talked about in that interview with Joe Rogan, that a lot of people back then were using these same techniques to interact with these extraterrestrial things. To bring right. them forth. And I think that's, I think it's called CE5 or something. Well, and that's, I mean, is that any different than like ceremonial magic where people like go. You got sit it. around and, and summon entities from weird old books from the Middle Ages? Yes, right. Like, and I think that's kind of the misconception that people are having with the whole Project Bluebeam. It's like these are only going to be negative entities in the sense that the, the, altruistic positive aliens if you want to believe in them which i do they've been communicating with us but they don't interfere they communicate with people who are good channels of this information who who write books about it or you know do you know courses or whatnot um there's tons of people that have had experiences with extraterrestrials that were not negative chosen1.com go visit chosen1.com it's easy to remember if you just sing along
chosenone.com Go visit chosenone.com The chosen one Yes, he is the chosen one He's got his own comic And now he's got his own song Cause he's the chosen one Yes, he is the chosen one Go buy a copy at chosenone.com chosenone.com Go visit chosenone.com It's easy to remember If you just sing along chosenone.com Go visit chosenone.com BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc obviously there are tons of negative experiences as well but i think that just shows you that like humans there are good and bad versions of these beings uh and you know i think the good ones wouldn't interfere in the way that the government and these groups are are suggesting i don't as far as ce5 goes i've heard some weird things about dr steven greer but i don't you know i don't know i don't know him i've never met him so i mean he kind of looks like uh jeff bezos and bill gates combined to me a little bit but uh uh just on on appearances but uh yeah I don't know. I mean, again, it doesn't strike me as anything new. I think it just in the past, people thought of it as ancestor worship or angel summoning or, you know, worse things like demons and jinn. And, but you know, now people have a sci-fi framework for reality. So they're like, Oh yeah, these are aliens. These are us from the future. or These are, these are beings that are just like us. And, you know, that's what uh, the channelers tell us. And and if you think about it, like, I don't know. I mean, of course, all these people who channel and whatnot, they could have just read books about ancient culture and said, oh, the ancient peoples worship the Pleiadians. So let's talk about the Pleiadians. But it does seem to line up in that sense, because there's tons of evidence that the ancient peoples were like, yeah, the people from Sirius came and talked to us. Or, oh, yeah, the people from that constellation came and talked to us. And then they would build monuments aligned with those constellations. So it's like, you know, not only does that take a lot of mathematics, um, I just think it's it's a it's no wonder that the government would want to get ahead of that and make everyone afraid of aliens when if you look at ancient history, not to go all ancient alien cuckoo on you. I think the aliens or whatever these other entities are, I think they had some kind of interaction with us in that time period. They might not have built everything for us, like History Channel suggests. That's racist. They they definitely, you know, 
were here. There, there's no doubt that humans remember entities that didn't resemble your average human interacting in tangible ways in the human history. And I mean, sure, they're, they're thought of now as mythological or, or subconscious archetypes or whatever. But I honestly, I think that they're real and that we live in a much stranger world than our you know, schools and society wants us to have a, a, a filter for. So they filter all this stuff out that's hard to explain. And they give us this very, very small lens of reality. And then when people have these interactions with benevolent beings, they can't risk that lens widening. So they have to lace it with fear so it closes back up again. So they get everybody afraid of aliens. They get everybody thinking, oh, no, aliens are here to steal your DNA. And maybe they, the military does that themselves, guised as aliens, so that we fear these beings that could help us, right? Like maybe they realize like, oh, these guys from other planets are clearly a threat to us. They could turn the 99% against the 1% by just saying, humans here are what your leaders have done to you you know so they have to give you like a fake version of that and make you think that the aliens are gonna come here and enslave us all when maybe they want to maybe it's the underground railroad to venus bro like who knows maybe they're gonna free us from this prison planet and kim jong-un and is that where the jew tunnels go joe biden are What's that? Is that where the Jew tunnels go to Venus, the hollow earth Jews? <laughs> but dude, you're saying something really interesting because I was just watching this documentary on, on Netflix with my wife and it was about this, I think it's called American Nightmare. Let me see here, American Nightmare. And it was about this kid, yeah, beautiful American Nightmare that show, it was about a home invasion kidnapping in 2015 and the story was so bizarre that this guy was telling and the chick that nobody believed them, that they believed that they were staging it. But think about that. It's so bizarre that nobody in their right of mind would believe them. And the entire time they were telling the truth. And this plays into like Fritz Springmeier territory where, again, it gets dark. But when a child is telling you, hey, Ronald McDonald is coming into my room at night and use your imagination right and as a parent you're like yeah yeah ronald mcdonald's not coming into your room at night please or what's the purple guy what's the dude's uh, what's the purple dude's name the purple i tried to bring this up with uh, you are you talking about the hamburglar or or grimace grimace (laughs) it's like well grimace is coming at in at night scaring me or whatever and it's like you disregard but listen (laughs) listen because there was a tweet of the guy in New York. He's like, listen, I hear Jews under my house. I hear people talking as a y- Yiddish or something underneath my house. And he was tweeting about it. And nobody believed it because it's so ridiculous. No one believes that. No one's ever going to believe you. Turns That's what out I talked to was... Nick Bryan about. <laughs> I asked Nick Bryan about that. If, if you know, people who are committing these crimes gaslight investigators by making the crime scenes appear satanic like oh wow instead of, yeah. instead of instead of doing a real satanic ritual for satanic ritual's sake they commit a crime and then in order to throw 
the evidence, they, you know, cut up a goat body or something nuts or cats or whatever, so that when the investigators find the crime scene, now they're off in this satanic direction. That was a big angle with the satanic panic whole thing. And, you know, what Nick Bryan is really good at is sticking to the facts and saying, like, you know, either way, the fact is children are being abused and the government is, you know, covering it up. So, you know, all of that aside, he did he did answer my question in, in a good way and kind of elaborated on how that might happen. But he actually kind of went against that and said he, he believes there are real satanic cults operating in the 100%, United States. Bro. I mean, yeah, I, I don't doubt it, but I definitely, you know, it, it's something that you hear people say and it kind of sounds sensational. And it, you know, maybe I have that doubt because I want, I don't want it to be true. I don't want to live in a world where that's a reality, but I mean, the world's a dark place, bro. And that's the problem that you, you can't ever underestimate anything because of that. And dude, even Fritz Springmeier even goes as far as to say that people who've experienced alien abduction, they're actually what they did experience. Those were implanted memories. And what they might've experienced was some sort of assault on them and that's the way that's the way of their brain coping with what happened to them to say that they got abducted and i've had a couple friends who have these podcasts where people call in with stories right we got we we know merkel and we know other people who do the sort of same thing and i've had other people who have told me before that they've had people on their show where they were describing an assault that happened to them in a form of like hey i encountered alien beings or whatever it is again as a sort of defense mechanism if you will for that so that just throws a a wrench into all the gears right because it's like wait a minute so then is the alien phenomenon a thing is it the brain making it up but you can't discredit you know we talked about agobard of lion stuff like that that that's not the only one in history there's plenty other ones in history it's like what were those people experiencing? Were they all being assaulted in some sort? I don't think so because it, otherwise it would have been written some other sort of way. Like it, it, it's weird, right? You know, like it's it, it's a phenomenon. It's something is happening. Something how you're saying so, humans remember a time where they were in contact with entities or whatever it is. I don't think it's easily as dismissible as that. I think it, I think it's multi-layer, multi-dimensional sometimes, and. I don't know, man, like the, the, what I know you and I have talked about like 14 stuff and keel and the ultra terrestrials. If anything, I like that. And I love the way that cryptids of the corn put it where the Mothman is like this interdimensional raccoon, whatever he like teleports into this dimension. And he's like scatterbrained trying to run away from people and people, they go, well, he didn't really attack us. He was just kind of scared. And I don't know if you watched the documentary moment of contact, I think it's called, where the well, we talked about it on the Falconelli episode. I don't know if you did you watch that documentary where they encountered the 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 red eyed being that smelled like sulfur in a corner in Bergogna, Brazil. I think it was. Moment. I think we talked about it maybe on like the end of the year episode I did where we talked about cryptids. No, it was more. It was like, more recent. This one right here, moment of contact, where no, it's in the no, I didn't see this. by by. Varginha, Brazil, and right, 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 right. I heard about this. No, I didn't watch it. They're yeah, calling well, it Roswell of Brazil. 
they encountered a being like this. It was a red-eyed being with like some horns, and people remember it being scared, like just in in, in a corner, like oh, it, it wasn't attacking us. It wasn't doing anything wrong. It was trying to get away because it was scared. So right. again, maybe these things aren't supposed. And these are the people that these are the three girls that saw it. Who say how you're saying? Not all these things are bad. Not all these things are demonic. Some might be. Some might be that, that they want to do you harm or they want to mine you for your energy or whatever it is, but there's a pattern emerging and there's some, something's up, bro. Something's up. What is it? I don't know, but something is up when it comes to these sort of, of topics. And it's been like this for a very long time. Well, I think it's the morning of the magician's book that uh, is going to kind of maybe elucidate on how alchemy connects to what we're seeing now, um, possibly like the advanced technology of the past coded in alchemy and then reorganized in, in this time period by these people who were, you know, either wise enough to remember or pass down the information or just bright enough to, to figure it all out again. Or maybe, you know, in this kind of like consciousness kind of way, like we as humans, uh, like we could pull those ideas from the, you know, collective consciousness or the Akashic record when we're in the right frequency. So it's not that, that we invent them for the first time. And, and if we forget, Oh, it's gone forever. No, it's like the same way a tree grows leaves. Like that's the best uh, kind of like expression of its will. And humans, part of us expressing our will is infrastructure, vehicles, you know, fuel, uh, the basic things that are, you know, a part of our society. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's a, 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 anti-industrial modern world where things are like a completely different technology like a water-based technology or like a you know magnet-based technology we seem to have like a slightly like what we were talking about before like a silicon kind of based technology at this point like it's kind of emerging out of uh i don't know what would you call it plastic and metal (laughs) can we talk about the recent news that Everyone's freaking out about with these Apple Vision Pro goggles. That yeah, I saw some idiots in a restaurant using them. Did you really in person? No, no, no. I saw a video on my phone, and they were like sitting with each other at a table. Yeah, I saw they both had, yeah, and they're just like, it's just so weird because it's like, you know, in their mind, they're like just doing their thing, but. Uh, from the outside looking in, you just look like a dumbass moving your hands around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a lot of that stuff. <laughs> I did see that. I mean, but the Oculus has been around for a while now. And so I don't see a difference in that. It's just the same. It's the same thing as the Oculus. A lot it of just... people are saying that the, the augmented reality isn't any better than actual reality. And I, I think honestly, I, I until... think some people will disagree with that, though, bro, because there are people who have sex in these other virtual reality worlds. Bro. I'm being serious. There's full haptic feedback suits because think about it, dude. You can literally be whatever you want, whoever you want. Have you 
me, for example, I did an interview for a, a virtual mystery school in VR. I was Morpheus interviewing a frog. Who can say that? No one else can say that. The only person to ever say that is me. I was Morpheus interviewing a frog. So people are able to live whatever reality they want, bro. If they're if they're overweight oh. in reality, they can slim up. They can be eight foot tall in there. They can do whatever or, they want. Or really Morpheus interviewing a frog, though. Oh, I was in VR chat. I was. I was Morpheus, in, and I got a video oh. to prove it. No, no, no. You were Morpheus interviewing a frog to a being who's only capable of visualizing things. <laughs> Any entity that's capable, I of identify as Morpheus. <laughs> So I would I would count it that way if the consciousness of Morpheus and the consciousness <laughs> of the frog were communicating. That didn't happen. You were talking to some other jackass pretending to be a frog. No, he's not a jackass. He's a good guy, bro. So shout out to Is him. it a podcaster we know? No, he's not a podcaster, even though I think oh, okay. he wanted to start his own podcast, but he's not a podcaster. As a frog. He's tarot tarot reader frog. Yeah, he's an occultist. The whole Alex Jones um thing probably screwed up the whole frog persona for him you know people call him a gay frog all the time i completely forgot about that dude hold on i got that clip right here i don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin frogs gay the frogs are turning gay bro i even realized that that's crazy i saw a meme today that was superman holding back a train and there's a kid on the train tracks and it was like Alex Jones over Superman and then the kid was like frogs and then the train was like gays or or gayness or something like that <laughs> and it was like Alex Jones stopping the gayness from the frogs or whatever it was it but was funny he, but here's a guy right Alex Jones that that sounds crazy what he just said it's so bizarre what he was saying and he turned he was turned into a meme because of that particular clip but he wasn't wrong he wasn't wrong no yeah the atrazine thing's real for sure That's but what... also it's it it's it's not unheard of for that type of organism to become asexual oh okay i got you i'm not playing uh chem, big chem gay, advocate gay here. frogs for hire <laughs> advocate over here Mark Steves, you know, it's just in that type of biomorphology. I like my frogs gay. All right, the gayer the better. So make sure to spray your lawn with atrazine. Easable for a frog to become asexual than a human. Um, but hey, I mean, geez, look at the past ten years. (laughs) Do you spray atrazine and flush it down your toilet for fun, bro? Just so the frogs turn gay. Like digger, they're gonna be gay anyway. So you'll be gay and proud, dude. Yeah, (laughs) I don't care. I'm not a frog. No, oh, I man. I love all animals and I love the ecosystem. So if we have gay frogs, that's going to lead to a frog genocide because there's not going to be any female frogs to to lay eggs. So read between the lines there folks. Yep. If humanity gets too gay, that's depopulation. So what if their agenda isn't to make us all gay? It's just to make us all gay so we stop having kids. Well, you didn't have to explain it, but yeah, I, I mean, it, 
anyone with two brain cells to rub together could have gotten that one, bro. Like the the frogs are the first test. I think subjects. about that every day, though. One, it's my, <laughs> I'm it's all I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, geez, how are all these gay people like? What what do they what do they think is going on here? You get a free ride, you know. Someone creates you, and then you just opt out of the the life cycle. That's not fair. Listen, do people like what they like? I respect everybody equally. As long as you don't mess with me or my family, it's all good. You know, whatever you put in your butt in your free time is your own thing. Well, and what what has caused more people to become gay? Atrazine and these weird chemicals, or the idea that the world's overpopulated? The idea that the world is over. A lot of a lot of these people in these cities who go and have weird kinko relationships. I'm not talking about LGBTQ. I'm talking about people who are like couples that don't want to have I'm kids. Talking about TMNT. The, those. <laughs> mutant, yeah, teenage mutant <laughs> ninja trans. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like the the people who are like hetero whatever couples who don't have kids, like. What do you think? Like, what are you thinking? Like, you guys got you got into this world. You don't just get it's not a free ride. Bring someone else into this world. That's how life continues, right? And I don't know. I feel like uh maybe we what we just kind of veered into a really controversial frog territory. Here. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's worth mentioning because yeah, I uh I love all people, but I also think that it is inherently selfish to uh, not understand these um, symbiotic concepts, right? Like overpopulation is inherently a flawed concept. I don't necessarily think that there is such thing as overpopulation. I think what it is is, is population get out of balance. Well, normally. Here's here's the thing. I was where I was this past weekend, going from from where I'm at now to where I was, which was a very small town feel. When I was driving around, not a lot of traffic. You know, everyone was super nice. I was like, wow, everyone's so polite. And going from that, I kind of liked that. I was like. I could live here, right? Is this some place in Tennessee? I was like, I could live here. I can't do the cold, but I can do this, right? Everyone's nice. It's small. There's not a lot of, a lot Bro, of. Winter doesn't even exist anymore, dude. Winter's faking gay, dude. We no. only got like six inches of snow all winter. And I live in like a place where they're like, oh yeah, we get a lot of snow Bro, here. Bro, where is New England? Where is that? Is that Massachusetts? What What is that? Are you retarded? Yes. Yes, I am. As a matter of fact, I am. All right. So like New York State kind of looks like a a big mitt with like Long Island sound as like a thumb stretching out. Everything east of New York State is considered New England. So that's Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont. Oh, so it's a variety. It's a grouping. Okay. So it's not like one place. You're in the you're in the. You have there's a name for the area you're in. It's called Florida. Florida. It's called Florida, bro. <laughs> but us small states, we get gl- clumped into regions like this. The Mid Atlantic states are Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware. You know, and then there's the there's the you know. I we're mean, we're on the flaccid phallus <laughs> that is Florida. That is Drake's 
freaking hog that came out that was on the internet this week. People were were freaking out about that because dude is hung Draco's like a hog. <laughs> dude is hung like a horse, bro. I mean, the, he's the goat. And I say he's undefeated, bro. Everything this dude touches turns to gold, and he's hung like a freaking centaur. So he went to China and had some crazy surgery, bro. I, dude, he got like extra inches added on. He's cheating, dude. There's gotta be. I think it was unworldly. That was like a. Like He's a, taking the 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 Ozempic for dick signs. <laughs> yeah, where can we get that, dude? Where, you think was, it'll go was, directly on the shaft? Like if you had to inject that. I was listening to a podcast where someone made that joke, and they were like, "Imagine if there's Ozempic for dick size. How many guys would be like? It. How many guys would like die for a bigger dick? Like, I take like it. Ladies like dying to lose weight. I mean, yeah, it's uh, I I didn't see the image. I heard about it. You know, uh, just like I didn't watch the beheading video or any other gruesome shit that gets thrown around on the internet these days. Wait, there's a beheading video it. too. Yeah, when I when I think of beheading videos, I mean it's right up there with pictures of Drake's penis. It's all on the same level for me, so I'm just like not interested. Well, I muted a lot of anything. a lot of words on Twitter, and mm-hmm. that's. Drake's hog still made it through the dude there was there was a magnitude 4 earthquake off the Florida's I'm just learning about this what in the heck so apparently we dude, had an earthquake so Drake's penis news rocked you so hard because <laughs> the fact that there was an earthquake dude what in the world yeah no that's that's wild wow that's crazy so I just I believe that like all these stories and news things like you know the more the more room you have in your brain for stuff like that the less room you have in your brain for you know morning of the magicians and all these wacky books we talk about on the show which i but, enjoy very much yeah yeah that's the thing i yeah. do enjoy well, i know you books. do that's why i'm a little surprised that we took this uh tangent but that's okay it, so it's, to uh, be clear i did read morning of the magicians all the parts that had to do with falconelli because uh, bergier is one of the guys that allegedly came into contact with Falconelli in 1930 something, uh, 10 years. Nazis were trying to find him, right? Well, no, no. The, the precursor to the CIA, I think it was the MI. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but yeah, the, not, not the Nazis, but the government, the, whatever came before the CIA, which was, I want to say this, precursor hold on to cia the office of strategic services the oss yeah i could have told you the oss was like yo how did this guy know about nuclear what is that the philosopher's stone alchemy and the secret research for exotic matter by joseph p farrell oh that's an og dog well, I think it's essentially like Joseph read Morning of the Magicians and was like, all right, I'm going to take this a step further. Because when I found this book, it was a little bit out of my league because I'm like, okay, yeah, this all makes sense. Like I could see how alchemy and, and this, you know, intelligence world and the military over, overlap like that. But I just, I didn't know enough about alchemy to fully like get into that book. But 
I'm almost certain that that's exactly what he's talking about in this. So I think that's going to be the mission for the pod is for me to read Morning of the Magicians and then maybe we'll talk about the Philosopher's Stone <laughs> plus this. It was, you know, Philosopher's cl- Stone. Yeah. I got somebody on my YouTube that that's their that's their handle. Yeah, that's their handle. Philosopher's Stoned. That's so, what we are, dude. Yeah, I mean, smoking, you, I'd be smoking some of that Alchemic Crack. Yeah, you got point. you got your little uh, golden pen of of uh, <clears throat> you know elixir there. Me, I have my uh, BDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, but I'll check that out too because there are there is some stuff, and I do. I don't have anything coming up here, so I'm gonna. I've been podcasting every single day. This is my second podcast of the day. I did two podcasts yesterday. I did two podcasts on Tuesday. Yikes! I did you're one podcast on heavy, dude. You're 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 carrying a heavy load into the weekend, dog. Well, that's the thing. I'm gonna take next week, most of next week off, cool. and the week after just to hang out a little bit because the wife's not too happy. I've been podcasting too much, so yeah. got to make that balance. But yeah, I went out of town, got flew in Monday, did a podcast Monday, Tuesday did two, so I've been just cranking these out. But it needs to be done. It needs to be done. We need to protect the frogs from, you know. Yeah, what is this protect our parks nonsense that Joe Rogan's doing? What about protect our uh, frogs? What about protect our amphibians? Protect our extraterrestrials, bro. And yeah, protect dude. Protect our polywogs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. I'm going to read it. I did, like I said, I read the parts about Fulcanelli interacting with Bergier. And when Falcon revealed to him the secrets of alchemy, which is an interesting one, but I look look at this, look at this description here: the modern alchemist and the spirit of research. Description of what an alchemist does in his laboratory, experiments re- repeated indefinitely. What is he waiting for? The preparation of darkness, electronic gas, water that dissolves. Is the philosopher's stone energy in suspension? the transmutation of the alchemist himself. And then the last part of this chapter is this is where true metaphysics begins. Bro. Mm. Sounds like fire right there. That sounds like some heat right there. That's only one chapter of this whole book. Mm. So it's interesting that you did find that. I've been meaning to go. We were get, we were supposed to go when I was in Tennessee to a coffee slash used bookstore, but we ended up recording, we ended up in the studio for like 12 hours that day. So, you know, hanging out. Well, we went to dinner too, but we hung out the whole day. And then Tony wanted to go dog man hunting at night. <laughs> like 30 minutes away from where we were at. I was like, no, dude, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big bitch when it comes to that, bro. I can't do demons or anything like that or dog men. What? You're admitting this on the podcast? Yeah, bro, 100%. You won't catch me. Dude, I've been hunting before. And one night, we were up in a tree stand. And mind you, it's pitch dark. We're in the middle of a swamp. And this is over by the the Space Coast, over by 
Sebastian area, people know, Vero Beach area. And we're up in this tree stand and we would turn on, we're in front of a feeder because we're doing wild hog. And we're in front of a feeder and we only have a night vision scope. So we were, we were shooting a crossbow and we had the night vision scope and then we would turn it on periodically to see if there was anything by the feeder. And so me and my friend are talking, come to find out that the area we were at, not far from there off of I-95, there had been a Sasquatch skunk ape sighting almost in broad daylight. It was like a class A sighting or some class B. Like, I don't know how they rank. It was like one of the high right. Like a lot of people had seen it. It was still light out. They saw skunk ape. Mind you, it was like five aerial miles from where we're at. So, okay, cool. That's fine. You brought me over to this spot where potentially it was a skunk ape. Sure. Cool. He's like, oh yeah, no. And, and, and if anything, I'm scared of people out here. I was like, what do you mean? Cause I told him, I said, bro, imagine we turn on the scope. And there's a creature or something staring back at us. Like some weird discombobulated like creature just looking at us. Like, what would you do? Would you shoot Bigfoot, bro? If you had the chance to shoot him, like, would you take that shot? Like, if, if Bigfoot was looking at you, like, would you take the shot? And so we're talking, he goes, no, no. If anything, I'm afraid of the humans out here. I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, one time I had a trail cam set up in front of the feeder. And this guy comes out of... I'm going to ask him if he has the pictures. This guy comes out of nowhere. No shoes. No shirt. With a rifle in his hand. Goes up to the trail cam. Gives it a thumbs up. And then was out of the frame again. (laughs) Those are the people you got to be afraid of. Those are the true monsters. That are in these woods. Florida men. Well, what if he just knew the the trail cam was there? Well, he did know the trail cam was there. But what are you doing barefoot without a shirt on in the swamp, bro? Please explain that to me. You're up there, dog. No, 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 no. Get out of here, bro. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's different types of people that around there. That's oh, like, there is. Up here, there's like people that will leave society and they live in the woods. That's kind of, the, I guess, the same thing. I'm not about that life, Mark. <laughs> All right. But hey, I'll, at least I'm honest about it. And I'll tell you I'm not about that life. So you're not going to catch me barefoot in the Florida swamps without a shirt on any time of the day. I mean, maybe you'll find me with some regular boots on hunting for hog, which I have. And... There was another experience that we had because I got some behind the scenes previews this past weekend and I kept telling Tony and Joel, I'm like, yo, that was a hog, right? That was a hog, bro. He goes, well, sure. If there was hogs here, there's no hogs. And what hog do you know that stalks people? And I was like, well, I did have an experience one time where we were tracking a hog that we had shot and I've got videos of this and I had a, I had a gun on me, but I had left the gun back at the camp and we're again, middle of the swamps pitch dark. We're tracking this hog. We're looking for blood on the ground. 
trying to find where it's going to lay down. And we hear something walking right at the edge of where we were at. Like it wasn't, we couldn't see what it was, but it was deliberately staying at the edge of where we were. And I'm asking my buddy who's got more experience. He's he's wearing Crocs in, in the swamp. He's he's a lot more comfortable than me. He goes out by himself in the middle of the night. Like he's good, right? Like we're he's he's a redneck. I'm not. Right. So he goes, Oh, um, do you have your gun? I was like, No, bro, I don't got my gun on me, dude. He's like, Well, damn, bro. Well, whatever that thing is, it's big. Whatever it is, it's not showing itself. But we kept after that, we kept going. But I was like, is it the hog that we're tracking? He goes, No, I don't think she would stay around because once you wound the animal, it's gonna run until it either bleeds out or you know, if you should if you shot it through the lungs, it's gonna eventually collapse. I hadn't shot it through the lungs. I clipped the lungs. I just barely clipped the lungs. It was a gut shot. And so we didn't end up finding it that night. He ended up finding it the day after. But it wasn't where that sound was at. You know, she ended up laying somewhere and dying somewhere off, like close to where we were at. But whatever that sound was that we heard on the edge there was, it could have been another hog. But it's weird because when you pull up on them, they book it. And this thing was, sti- the weird part was that it was sticking around. <laughs> You know, then I go sticking around almost like it was waiting for us or something, but I don't know, bro. I mean, it's the floor could have been a skunk ape, dude. Yeah. Who knows? But all right. So you, you don't, it's not, uh, you know, for no reason that you have that much caution. Okay. I respect it. And that's why I keep the 10 millimeter always on the chest <laughs> holster because you just don't ever know. I don't know if I, because there's stories of people who are like, they see skunk ape or whatever, and it starts to telepathically communicate with them. Like, don't shoot. Have you ever heard that story? You heard that story of that guy that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I believe in that, dude. Like, well, I, I mean, dude, I've heard a story about a Sasquatch killing somebody, and I'm like, how do we know that that wasn't just like a person? How you're saying planting Sasquatch? Yeah. Scene. <laughs> Right. And like, what if that's how a lot of these, I mean, I literally heard this on a comedy podcast yesterday. Shout out to uh, our, our God, Shane Gillis. Uh, He made the joke of like, yeah, what if Sasquatch is just like some dude killed somebody and was like, no, it was a chupacabra. I swear. Like there's a chupacabra around here. And then like Joe Rogan and and Matt McCusker were laughing. That's all cryptids are. It's just, dumbasses making excuses uh but i i don't know i i think there's a there's a case to be made that these things are a product of our consciousness mm-hmm. in the sense that like the forest like brings on a different level of projection capability where like what if actual figments of your imagination could take form in places where you are the only one for miles and miles around. So like these people have like a real visceral experience Mm -hmm. of something that is real and it takes um, an imaginal form using their 
conscious energy. Like it actually exists independent of them. Yeah, an egregore. Yeah. Well, and and also it's like if you were walking into the forest with 30 people because maybe only 5% of them or 5 out of the 30 believe in the phenomena, it wouldn't be able to appear like that. It might appear like a a wood knock or a stone being thrown, you know. So that's, I, I like to think in those terms that like maybe we're interacting with these places in this feedback loop kind of way where like these beings don't really show themselves that way unless we're there to see it. Like the whole, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Um, I think there's some truth to that. I don't remember where I've heard that, but it's the observer effect yeah. essentially. Right. So yeah, I, I mean, if, if these beings were like bears or, you know, you know, alligators or, or another creature that we can like trap and, and hunt, then, uh, then they, they would have been trapped and hunted by now. You know, I, I think agree. these beings are either something above us that we just don't have, uh, you know, the conscious ability to perceive in a way that would make them pray for us. You know, well, I mean, there's species of animals that went undiscovered up until I mean, a couple hundred years ago. Well, even the mountain gorilla, like until somebody went looking for it, it was a myth. The a mountain gorilla, you said? People before 1880 or 90, it could have even been later than that. People didn't believe in gorillas as a real creature. They just thought that that was something <laughs> that Africans made up, like a myth. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And then scientists actually had to go out and, and yeah, and they went into the rainforest where you find them and they were like, oh yeah, no, these African people uh, are telling the truth. Wow. That's prejudice too, you know, like there was tons of cultural prejudices and obviously the people who lived in Africa knew about these things forever, at least in the immediate area. But oh, gorillas are beautiful, man. They're they're such interesting creatures. Rip you apart, bro. Rip Look your arms the, out of your sockets. Go to the wiki page, and you, it'll say when they discuss when they were "quote unquote" discovered by science. Um, probably will say it in like uh, maybe. So, in October 1902, Captain Robert von Beering shot two large apes during an expedition to establish the boundaries of German East Africa. One of the apes was recovered, et cetera, et cetera. In 1925, right. And that's those are the guys that are in the Tarzan movie when they're like oh. playing sad music and they're shooting the gorillas. Dude, look at this dude's stash, bro. Look at this guy's stash. Yeah, that's that's what they would do back then. They had these crazy looking mustachioed science guys go out into the rainforest to shoot a bunch of animals with darts and take them back to zoos. But before that, they didn't like half of the known animals in the world were considered like possibly not real. But also, you know, back then, like maybe they didn't really like our idea of myth is being retroactively applied to them. You know, maybe all creatures were considered real. They just didn't really think of things in terms of real or not. Right. So. Mm hmm it's more localized like you would have myths about the creatures that were in your vicinity and things that were outside of your vicinity or just less tangible like the gorilla it doesn't i'm 
This is, I'm seeing just mostly biological yeah. information. You might need to type in like the history of, of, uh, the, of the gorilla or something like that the history of human interaction with the gorilla um outside of wikipedia to get something like that but yeah it's a fascinating story we kind of talked about it a little bit when uh when we talked about the ivan t sanderson thing but yeah i'm trying to find it here but did say the nomenclature of for the word gorilla is very old so that suggests that yeah, people saw them a long time ago. Yeah, we were talking about these guys. Huh. The rough well, translation maybe, of which meant hairy person. Hmm. Maybe they were describing mountain gorillas and they found mountain gorillas on that island we talked about. Yeah. I took it as, you know, like some sort of other humanoid. But, I mean, back then, like I said, gorillas were equally unknown to the uh, world of quote-unquote science. So. Right here. During the 16th century, an English sailor by the name of Andrew Battelle was captured by Portuguese in West Africa. He spoke of he spoke of two man-like apes today easily recognized as chimpanzees and gorillas that would visit the campfire when it was unattended. The mountain gorilla was first discovered by a German officer named Captain Robert von Viering. Bearing in 1902, prior to this time, only lowland gorillas were known to exist. The mountain gorilla subspecies name is derived from Captain Robert Van Bearing's last name, Gorilla Bearing Guy, Bearing Guy, I guess that's how you say it. But yeah, that's, that's interesting, dude. It was a cryptid until it was discovered. Yeah. Well, I guess, and it, it did say that the lowland gorilla was known about, but... Uh... But yeah, I guess Highland gorillas are distinctly different, but uh, they look very similar. I don't know. Maybe the silverback gorilla is is like the Highland one. But either way, uh, this is a good place to wrap up. We got to some animal news without even trying. <laughs> this is a fixture of our uh, alchemy show. We talk about alchemy and animals. Uh, <laughs> so if you like Joe Rogan, it's it's kind of like that show where they talk no, about even, animals. Even better than Joe Rogan, bro. They were having a pretty dope discussion about bears, and I thought we were going to talk about bears today because of that. And I'm like, nah, we can't just ride Rogan's coattails. We're better than that. We're in our own podcasting lane. And uh, yeah, if folks want to hear more of the podcastical stylings of Juan and Mark, uh, we've got a show that we do on our Patreons, and this is kind of like a a preview for that in a way. And um. Yeah, this is an hour and a half, so I think this is good. We just post this, and um, I don't know. We talked about putting one of the older episodes out for free, so maybe we'll do that too to give people uh, you know, a preview, but I think this was a good enough preview too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, make sure to check out ChosenJuan.com for the Kickstarter of Issue 2. Mark's in that. Patreon.com slash the one one podcast. TJOJP.com. Yes. I'm on Kiel's Owner's Manual. You want to see me doing stuff like this, shooting crystals out of my hand, <laughs> out of your ass, bro? I'm gonna the next yeah. issue, you're gonna shoot a crystal out of your ass. So, oh, it better be <laughs> like tectite or like uh, some sort of meteoric type of crystal rock. I'll make sure it's gayer than that. So, <laughs> oh god. All right. Well, until next time, folks, get folked. Get folked. Oh, folk yourself. Yeah, go, yeah, I like that.
Bye.